Thank you for joining us for this series, Well, Well, Well. Together, we'll discover how to have a healthy, prosperous soul. Have you ever felt like you're living a life that's overwhelmed, stressed out, frustrated, discouraged, irritable, and more? Too many women today are living under the pressures of life and allowing those pressures to dictate the condition of their soul. God wants our soul to prosper. He wants us to be well in the depths of our soul so that we can live well and experience the abundant life He created us to live. It's time to let the Spirit of God determine the condition of our soul. Welcome to the second session in our series, Well, Well, Well. I am so glad you are joining me again for this session. And I really hope that since our first session, you have been noticing times when you let your soul take the lead and asking God to help you allow His Spirit to lead your life. You know, today we are going to talk about some more principles that are really going to help all of us do that. So I hope you've got your Bible and your notebook. You're ready to take some notes because we are going to jump in. And you know, this session is really a part two in our introduction because we're really laying a foundation still that the rest of this series is going to hinge on. So If you missed the first session, I really want to encourage you to go back and make sure you listen to that, okay? In that first session, we talked about the fact that we are three-part beings. And we used these wooden circles as a visual for our body, our soul, and our spirit. And we saw that sometimes we view those parts of our being as completely separate and very often we live with our soul taking the lead letting our thoughts and our emotions and our choices get so wrapped around what we're facing and dealing with and what's going on at work and what's going on in our home and we let our soul lead the direction of our life and create the condition of what's going on on the inside of us. We let our soul lead our lives far too often. And we are created to allow the Spirit of God within us to lead our lives. We saw last session that a soul-led life keeps us off balance. And a soul-led life really creates an unhealthy soul because that's not how God created us to live. He created us to live a spirit-led life. He created us to live with our soul submitted to his spirit within us, our body submitted to his spirit, coming into alignment where we let the Spirit of God lead every area of our lives. That's His plan for us. But have you ever noticed 
that that's not always the easiest thing to do? We are bombarded everywhere we turn with messages targeting our soul, targeting our body. We're bombarded with situations and circumstances that stir up all kinds of fleshly emotions. Even Paul said in Romans 7.21, I have discovered this principle of life that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Can you relate to that? I know I sure can. Why is this so hard at times? Look at 1 Peter 2.11 with me. It says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. Just pause right there. Do you realize that's what we are? We are temporary residents and foreigners here on this earth. This is not our final destination. We are here for a limited time. This is a stopover. We have an eternal destination. So he's warning us as temporary residents and foreigners here on this earth to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. We have to realize there is a war waging against our souls. The enemy wants his ways to rule our life and our sinful fleshly nature follows his ways. He doesn't want the Spirit of God to rule our lives. Of course, right? I mean, think about it. That's not what he wants. And since the fall of Adam and Eve, we have inherited his sinful fleshly nature. So that means that that is what comes naturally to us. That is our first fleshly response. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, not me. I don't have those kinds of responses. Oh, really? Well, what if somebody rips into you and tells you off? What is your fleshly response? What do you want to do? What's your first reaction? You want to tell them off right back, right? That's what most of us would want to do because that's the fleshly human response. What if somebody hurts you or offends you? What's your natural inclination? Do you want to become a fountain of anger, spewing out at them and then going and spewing to everybody else to make sure they know what that person did to you? That's our fleshly human nature. And then it just smolders on the inside of us. Because what do we do? We replay those scenarios over and over and over and over again in our minds, don't we? We've all done it. But that only keeps us in internal turmoil. We end up hurting ourselves when we let our soul take the lead. You see, we have a choice. We can live with an unhealthy soul or we can recognize that there's a war. And we can fight by surrendering our soul to the Spirit of God within us. I want to tell you, it is worth the fight. It is worth the fight to resist the things our flesh wants to do. Because true health and wholeness for the entire being, spirit, soul, and body, only comes when we come into alignment 
when we submit our soul, our body to the Spirit of God. That's when we become healthy and whole in our entire being. And when we are well in our soul, that's when we find freedom. That's when we find peace. The Hebrew word shalom comes to my mind because this really gives a great picture of what this is. This word shalom, it's used over 200 times in the Bible. And when we think about shalom, we generally think about peace. We think it means peace, and it does. It does mean peace, but it means so much more than that as well. It refers to our total well-being, our complete welfare. It means health and wholeness. Did you know that this word shalom also means to prosper? Remember in our first session, we started looking at 3 John 1, 2, where it says that our soul can prosper, that God wants our soul to prosper. This word shalom, it not just means peace, it means to be prospering. This word shalom is used also in 2 Kings chapter 4, where we see the story of the Shunammite woman. And I want you to see how this word shalom is translated in this chapter. First of all, if you don't know the story of the Shunammite woman, this is where her story unfolds. So let me give you a little bit of background, all right? She had no children. She thought she never would. Her husband was up in years. And then, miraculously, she has a son. And when this son, when he grows and he's still a young boy, he dies in her arms. Oh, can you imagine the heart-wrenching anguish that she would have felt? I mean, what an unthinkable situation. It would have been totally understandable to see her completely fall apart, completely lose it, right? I mean, this is unthinkable. But that was not her response at all. And before I tell you what her response was, first of all, you have to understand something. She and her husband had built a room in their house for Elijah, the prophet, for him to stay there when he would pass through their area. And remember, in that day, they didn't have access to God through Jesus like you and I do today. They had to go through a prophet or a man of God, a person of God, to have access to God. And so, this boy dies in her arms. And what does she do? She immediately knows she needs God. She needs his intervention. So she goes and she lays this boy on Elisha's bed in their home. And then she hurries out of the house to go see Elisha. And her husband says, where are you going? And she says, I'm going to the man of God. He says, what? This isn't a day that we would typically go to worship. What's going on? And she says, it is well. She doesn't even tell him that their son has died. She says, it is well. But what I want you to see here is that this word well, it's in the original writings, the word shalom. So she is saying, I have confidence 
that God will take care of our son. I am at peace that God will intervene. I am resting in who God is. I am refusing to let my thoughts and my emotions lead and dictate this situation right now. Wow, what a response. Unbelievable. And so she leaves. She goes out of the house. She goes to see Elijah. And Elijah sees her coming. And he sends his servant out to ask her, is everything well with you, with your family? And you know what she says to him? Again, it is well. It's like one more time she is saying, I am at peace. I am at rest. I know my God is going to intervene and he is going to take care of my son. I think she was also saying, and I don't have time to talk to you because I've got to get to the one who can connect me and give me access to God. So she gets to Elijah. She pours it out to him. Elijah goes to the house to the boy. He lays across the boy's body. He breathes into the boy and the boy comes back to life. Such a miracle, total miracle. This Shunammite woman, she gives us the most amazing example of someone who was well in her soul. What an example she is. She gives us an example of someone who is at rest, who is at peace in the midst of tragedy. Someone who lets her faith in God lead her life. So, how do we become well? How do we have this kind of peace and rest in our souls no matter what craziness we're dealing with in daily life. No matter how busy or overwhelming life gets, how do we do this? How do we live this spirit-led life? I want us to look at a few keys today that are going to help us learn how to do that, okay? First of all, though, we have to remember that this is a process. It's not going to happen overnight. It's this sanctification, transformation process that we talked about in our first session. But there's three really vital steps that will help us keep moving forward in that process of living a spirit-led life. And the first one is that we will never experience the peace of God until we first make peace with God. You know, Jesus makes it possible for all of us to do that. We no longer have to go through the prophet or the man of God like the Shunammite woman did. Jesus gave his very life for us. We can access the Father through him. Salvation only comes through Jesus. Romans 10 verse 9 tells us that when we believe in our heart that Jesus is the Son of God and that he was raised from the dead, and when we confess him as the Lord of our lives, we will be saved. That means we start a new life on this earth in relationship with him, and we have the assurance of spending eternity with him in heaven. Remember, when we ask him to be Lord, 
What did we say in our first session? Lord means boss. When we come into relationship with him, we are asking him to be the boss. He comes and he dwells in our spirit by his spirit. He fills that void in our lives. But that is just the starting point. Then we begin the process of walking this out every day where we learn to let our soul and our body come into alignment, letting him be the boss of every area of our lives. That is the starting point, asking him to be Lord. The second thing that is going to help us grow in this process is we have to have a growing trust in God. We will never let God be in control if we don't trust him. I mean, think about it. You may trust your 10-year-old daughter or your 10-year-old little sibling to do certain things, right? But are you going to trust her to drive you to the store? Are you going to give her complete control over your lives by putting the keys in her hand? I don't think so. Why? She doesn't know how to drive. She can't even see over the steering wheel. I mean, I can barely see over the steering wheel, but I do know how to drive. <laughs> you see, we won't give God control of our lives if we don't have a growing trust in him. So think about the Shunammite woman. She fully trusted that God would intervene. Wow, what trust she had. It was amazing. But you know, we're told to have that same kind of trust. Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding the way you think it should happen. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. That is his promise to us to each and every one of us. We can trust him completely. He will guide our path. So why do we find it so hard to trust God at times? Let's just talk about a few of the reasons. I think very often we find it hard to trust him because frankly, we think we can do it better. Did you ever stop to think about that? You know, I don't know if it's actually that we think we can do it better, but we know how we'll do it, and we don't know how he's going to do it. So we assume our way is better because we know what it is. Sometimes we don't trust God because we're impatient. We know what our timing is. And we know we could do everything in our power to try to make that timing happen. We don't know what his timing is. But we do know his timing's not usually ours. And, and we're too impatient to wait so we don't trust him. Sometimes we don't trust him because we think it might require something of us. Maybe you have a, a relationship that's struggling. And maybe it's hard to trust him to intervene in that relationship because you know that might mean that you might have to change a little 
you might have to change your attitude. You might have to stop complaining or stop blaming or maybe sacrifice some of those expectations so it's just easier to say it'll never change and write off the relationship. You see, sometimes we don't want to trust God. Sometimes we don't trust him because we don't believe he can do it. We think, oh, this situation is too big. This situation's impossible. He could never intervene in this situation. Or sometimes we think he can't do it because we think, well, I created this mess. It's not his mess to clean up. I've got to take care of it on my own. Sometimes, maybe, we struggle to trust God because things didn't work out the way we had hoped in the past. Maybe that's you. I want to tell you right now that we see a very limited picture. We do not see the big picture that God sees. We live on this earth for a short time. We see this very short, human, limited perspective, but God sees a much bigger view. And no matter what the disappointments have been in the past, we can trust that he knows what he is doing. We can trust that even when we face trials in life, which we will, Jesus even said we will have tribulations in this world, but he said he has overcome this world. Someday there is a new world awaiting us, a new home awaiting us. See, he sees so much more. And we can be confident that when we face those trials and tribulations, he is with us. He will walk every step of the way with us. He has not forgotten about us for a moment. And no matter what, he is faithful and we can trust him completely. He is trustworthy. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it's really easy to say, we trust God in a big general sense. But then when it comes down to specific situations, it's a little bit harder. I want to encourage you, if you're having trouble trusting in God, ask him to show you why. Ask him to show you what is underlying that? And then ask him to help you grow in trusting him. And I promise you, he will. You know, we talked about some of the reasons we don't trust God. But I think one of the biggest reasons we have a hard time trusting God is because we don't fully believe he loves us. And the third step here is that we have to have a growing personal revelation of his love for us. We will never fully trust God without believing that he truly loves us and he'll never stop loving us. Think about it. Can you ever fully trust someone without knowing that they love you and they're looking out for your best interests? Think about the Shunammite woman. She had already seen God intervene in a miraculous way in her life because it seemed impossible that she would ever have a child. 
and God gave her the desire of her heart. She knew that God saw her, that God heard her cries, that God loved her and intervened on her behalf. And that revelation of God's love for her caused her to trust him completely. Our revelation of God's love should be continually growing. In Ephesians 3, Paul prayed that believers would know how wide, how long, how high, how deep God's love is. Our humanity can never fully grasp the depths of his love. So as long as we are on this earth, we should be growing in our revelation of his love for us. A personal revelation of the love of God can change everything. I want to tell you, I have seen it over and over through the years. So many women I've talked to, women who just couldn't believe God loved them. But then through his word and meditating on his word and asking him to help them, they came to that revelation that God loved him. They chose to believe and accept that God loved them. And I am telling you, I have seen it change and transform life after life after life after life. Accepting that revelation of the love of God changes everything. I want you to know today, there is nothing you can do to earn God's love. He loves you completely. Maybe others haven't loved you. Maybe your earthly father didn't give you an example of a father who loves you. Maybe you're having a hard time believing God loves you. I want to tell you right now that God is not your earthly example of love. He is our supernatural example. He is our heavenly father and he loves you completely. Maybe you've been afraid that you might do something to mess up and make God mad at you and he'll stop loving you. Listen to what it says in Romans 8, 38 and 39. It says, and I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. He loves you. Do you believe that he loves you completely? I want to encourage you to start meditating on scriptures about God's love for you. There's so many. Ask him to help you grow in knowing his love for you so that you can grow in trusting him to be in control of your life. As we conclude this session, I hope that in these first two introductory sessions that you have caught these foundational principles First, the only way to truly be well in our soul as God intended is to stop leading our own lives and allow his spirit to take the lead. And the only way we'll ever let him take the lead is by first asking him to be Lord of our lives 
and then have a growing personal revelation of his love so that we can trust him to be in control. You know, in the coming sessions, we're going to talk more about how to do that in our thoughts and our emotions and our choices and even in our body. We are going to dig into God's word and see what it says about these different areas of our lives. And I believe we are going to find principles that will transform our lives if we put them to work. All right. Hey, I want to pray for you right now. And I really feel like there's some very important things that we need to pray about right now at the conclusion of this session. So please don't turn off, don't check out. I want to pray with you right now. Heavenly Father, I pray for every woman watching this session. And God, I pray that by your spirit, you would help us to recognize things in our life that hinder us from allowing your spirit to lead our lives. Father, I pray right now, if there are any women watching who have not surrendered their lives to you and asked you, Jesus, to be Lord of their life, God, I pray right now in this moment, within their own hearts, in their own words, that they would ask you to become their Lord. And then, Father, I pray that if we've struggled trusting you, that you would show us and help us. Help us to understand why. And God, I pray that you would bring healing and freedom. Help us trust you more. God, I pray for those who have struggled believing that you truly love them. God, I pray right now that you would give them a supernatural revelation that it's nothing that they could ever do to earn your love. But God, I pray that they would begin to receive, open their hearts to receive your supernatural love. God, help us to remove all the hindrances so that we can go forward in this process of letting you lead our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Ladies, I want to encourage you. If you ask Jesus to be your Lord today, don't keep that to yourself. Share that with your group. Share that with someone else, all right? The word says that if we confess him before men, he will confess us before his father, our father in heaven. It's important that we share that. So tell somebody that you asked Jesus to be your Lord today, if you did, all right? And then this week, I just want to encourage you to keep asking him to help you grow in acknowledging and receiving that revelation of his love so you can trust him completely. All right, we've got some discussion questions coming for you. Can't wait to see you in our next session.
Thank you.